Omis, welcome back to another interview of the week. It is Monday, the 6th of December, and I'm here with Wallamai, the Olympus Grants uh, lead, and also in and around the Dow doing a bunch of other things. How are you going, Wallamai? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. We were just talking about prior to recording how OIP 55 is kind of gone to snapshot, and just a little caveat for those that when this episode comes out, uh, it'll most likely uh, the snapshot will be finished, so it's looking like it's going to pass, uh, which is exciting, but we can kind of get to talking about that uh, later in the interview. But I think the first thing that I kind of wanted to touch on, and we touched on, I mean, you've listened to some of the podcasts, you know how it operates. I wanted to kind of get into, you know, the crypto origins and then the the segue into, you know, first crypto and then the segue into Olympus specifically. Yeah, I know the format. It's exciting to be on the show. I have to admit, just say up the top, I'm pretty nervous because there's like a certain degree of imposter syndrome as like a new Omi kind of, especially with like the number of talented, brilliant folks inside the DAO is like between 100 and 200. So I'm sure there must be like hundreds of Omis with more time in the DAO than me. But I was, yeah, really honored that you reached out for a chat. But before I kind of hop in, um, I'm based on Wurundjeri country. So um, whenever I'm on a recorded call, I always make sure to just acknowledge that I'm on the unceded lands of the Woiwurrung and Wurundjeri peoples of the Eastern Kulin nations. And I, I bring that up, it's kind of maybe unusual given that we're all mushrooms and in a non-space but I bring it up because so much of my thinking approach and what I prioritize has come out of direct conversation with the spaces I find myself in and with peoples who've been on these lands for a, a lot longer than, than me, ancestrally speaking. And it's really helped to frame like my vision for like the P2P ecosystem and projects that I contribute to. So I kind of always want to position myself in relation to and give to kind of cite where some of the inspiration comes from. But, um, so in terms of like my particular journey into crypto, it was around 2011 or 2012. I went to a kind of hacktivist camp in the north of England. So hacktivists, kind of um, people who are kind of involved in activism, but then also doing stuff with computers. And this was in and around time kind of you know facebook was a, th a thing by that point it was becoming increasingly more dominant it was clear that it was a, f a force that wasn't going anywhere but before facebook emerged there was patterns in um, organizing where we were kind of wrestling with and trying to figure out how we could use technology one of the ways this manifested was in a project called indie media which was essentially a federated network of people kind of posting news up to a website so that issues and topics which wouldn't necessarily be covered by the mainstream media could be read by folks around the world and into region. That's awesome. Is it still going? Less so. I mean, it is still up, but less so now because so much of the way the web has moved, it's kind of moved more towards this kind of social media, which has kind of filled a lot of that buffer. So anyway, I was at this camp, it was super rainy, it was beautiful, hilly countryside. And one of the kind of geeks was doing a presentation on this interesting curiosity called Bitcoin. 
Um, and anyone kind of looking at stuff at that time, it was indelibly kind of linked to, here's this cool technology and also people are using it to buy drugs online. Um, so I think this was even before Silk Road, it was kind of using services from before that point. And I think people raise this just as like, this is kind of, you know, a potentially a like an interesting thing. And I remember um, looking at it at the time and just being like, huh, well, that's kind of, that's kind of weird. And then it next popped up on my radar. There was kind of an embargo by the kind of status quo payment merchant um, classes. So your Visa, your PayPal, your all of that kind of ilk of payment processes shut down the donations page for WikiLeaks um, after they'd uh, released the files around the, I've forgotten what the name of it is, this particular release, but it was the one with like footage of the helicopter kind of looking down in Iraq. And the, they all kind of decided to switch off incoming donations to WikiLeaks. And if you track back, I think this was in, I can't remember, 2012, 2013. If you track back to the charts, you'd need to really zoom in because of, of course, since then when Bitcoin was like less than $10, it would all look like flat line now. But one of the first peaks that you see on the chart was basically a bunch of geeks around the globe kind of buying up Bitcoins so that they could send it directly to WikiLeaks. So you had this kind of like peak in price kind of before a lot of the the kind of market pumping and market action that kind of came after that fact. I think it was the first moment that a bunch of us around, because, you know, people buying drugs online or doing all of this type of stuff, it's a curiosity. People are going to kind of trade amongst themselves and find ways of making that, them, that happen. It was happening before cryptocurrencies via a, a bunch of mechanisms so far as I've read online, the moment when there was this embargo by organizations which are core to the fabric of not just online life, but life, your Visa, MasterCards, all of those payment rails, the fact that there was now this technology that you could use to essentially say, hey, I actually don't agree with what, that, what was being called financial censorship at that time. And now we actually have a new tool in our arsenal to go, do you know what? No, don't agree. If I want to support that org because I believe in their mission and what they're doing, I'm going to. And I think it was around that time where I was like, me and some of the people kind of in the orbits that I hung around with were like, maybe took this stuff a little bit more seriously. And yeah, so it was kind of, to be honest with you, I'm this weird composite of a total noob. Like I wasn't actually involved in tech in and around that time. I was just peripherally involved. Um, and it was around that time that some friends, uh, I, I expressed to some friends who were involved in the industry, I was like, I, I actually want to learn some more. Can you teach me something? So we'd get together and the people that I asked were systems administrators. And so the, the very first piece of software that I actually was learning how to use, other than kind of your standard Unix stuff that systems administrators use, was, okay, let's set up this interesting piece of software called Bitcoin and let's check out this mining thing. Like what does it mean to add a flag to a piece of software? Where do the configuration files live and that type of thing? So in terms of crypto, I'm like a gray head, gray beard, but in terms of technology, I was a total noob at that point. Like it was my very first kind of introduction to, I was looking at that before I was looking at WordPress, for example. 
So it kind of, wow. in, yeah, it informs <laughs> awesome. um, some of how I show up because the one of the things that's made working with Olympus interesting is that because I've been around since 2012, 2013, I, I know a lot of folks in the industry just through virtue of having time in crypto. And we've been around the block a few times now. But then when it gets into the deeper tech stuff, I'm, I still just always have to put my hand up and go, I'm still kind of a novice on that that level. But so since that point, I've I've been working full-time in crypto since around 2014. I used some of the early kind of Bitcoin pump to pay for a coding course. And then I ended up leveraging that experience because I'm a university dropout. I dropped out of uni because mental health was kicking my ass. So I was just like, I'm, I'm out and ended up going into a co-op. But then later on, I ended up doing um, a master's in um, advanced data analytics off the back of um, spending about five years in and around tech where I spent time kind of doing data analytics on uh, what I called more than economic uses of the Bitcoin blockchain. So this was kind of before the launch of Ethereum. Mm. Um, I was interested in how people were using the Bitcoin rails for stuff beyond just like trading amongst mm. each other. So the altcoin then would have just been like your kind of Dogecoin and what called colored coins or Litecoin kind of tweaks in the code of Bitcoin, but not really a major differentiation. But then also um, Satoshi implemented within the Satoshi client and other people have come since and um, created alternate clients for Bitcoin. But these kind of operational co codes, opcodes, which would allow you to embed into the blockchain kind of uh, transactions, which bury different metadata. So I wanted to kind of do an analysis of the, the Bitcoin blockchain to see if, in fact, people were using it in that way. And then actually, yeah, ended up kind of running the Bitcoin blockchain uh, on my small computer at the time. And I think I've shared this story online, like ended up frying my hard drive and I kind of pretty much nuked my um, entire holdings of Ethereum kind of uh, pre-launch ICO and all of the Bitcoin I had kind of on the computer hard drive, I've got it set on my desk. I just completely fried it. And because of me being, me Ooh. being, you know, there was like, I think more than a thousand Bitcoin, more than 10,000 Ethereum on that hard drive. And I've just completely nuked it. Oh my God. Um, so I think that kind of highlights both the fact that I've been around for a long time, but then also I'm a total novice when it comes to tech and still fuck shit up. And I've got that hard drive on my desk to kind of, keep it real like to remind myself in moments where i feel like i know a lot just to remind myself like you don't though like you're still a baby when it comes to tech that's a really good thing to have close by but it's also it would also remind you that you've come so far as well right something to humble you but also something to to motivate you as well right yeah it's true i find it like you know it's i don't run the calculator but it's obviously worth a lot of money now it was upsetting at the time it was worth quite a lot then but i think increasingly over time there's this kind of class of us who have we nearly made it in in a like ridiculous like unimaginable way and then many of us will then not make it because we have in some way messed something up of our own accord nothing to do with the external world so 
I think I'm in like a, a quite a small bucket of people who would be like insanely wealthy, but aren't because of some mistake that they've made. It's like a new, it's a new human experience, like in the whole of the history of humanity to, to be in this situation where potentially you'd be mega rich, but actually you aren't because, you know, you've got this object which you can't access the data of. It's quite an interesting, I, I do wonder how many of us there are. Mm. I think it will grow over time. For sure. I, that was, I was going to actually ask that. I was like, what, what percentage of, you know, how, how often do you think cases like that actually have happened over the last 10 years? I think a lot of us don't talk about it because we feel stupid. And then it was like, it's also a tricky conversation to have with like friends and family and that type of stuff thing but i guess when we're talking about and to be honest i bring this up because it's kind of informed my entire trajectory in crypto since then has been if we're talking about technologies which are to democratize finance which we're hoping will have a total addressable market of the entire planet then like how can we figure out patterns and ways of using this technology which are a bit safer than that because, you know, I can imagine for a lot of folks, this would push them towards the brink. It it really depressed me the fuck out and it took kind of, I burnt out a bit and I had to find, a, find my way back from it. But um, I'm guessing given the fact that this is to do with keeping data secure on your computer, most people, that's not an intuitive um, skill that um, is widely had even amongst technical folks we make mistakes quite often um mm. when you're talking about like your grannies your grandpas your folks who just use a computer to do email it's a pretty high barrier to to entry and yeah so to continue on the crypto story basically ended up working on projects to do with decentralized private key management got some funding from the ethereum foundation and Gitcoin grants to work on a bunch of stuff embedded within um, an offline enabled P2P communication system. And then off the back of that, moved into decentralized cloud storage and got some funding from the folks who funded Signal and Tor. And then also got some kind of a development of that. We then got some funding via a European funding program called Horizon 2020, which kind of was a, a European fund set up to kind of counter, give an alternate mechanism for the production of technology and alternate to kind of the more Silicon Valley kind of startup model of kind of VC backed stuff that is turning kind of users into the, the product. So the European Union was like, it's, we need alternatives to some of the technologies that kind of have, are underpinned by this philosophy that maybe we don't necessarily share. And so they've got kind of um, a stream of um, a, a vision of essentially enabling um, software produced that's conceived more a bit of like a publicly owned good or a public good that can provide an alternative yeah. to many of the functions that we have online. For example, the cloud or like messaging or any of the kind of stuff we're used to kind of embedded intrinsically in our experiences of organizing in the world, but just having projects where there's a focus on them being more to the end of public utilities 
publicly owned goods, free and open source with alternate business models that don't require kind of surveillance capitalism as one of the primary economic drivers and that type of thing. And then all of that kind of led into in and around Olympus. I kind of along my journey met a bunch of people who I found very inspiring, clearly knew a lot more about tech than me, who were kind of into Bitcoin and all of these things really early. And although I myself don't consider myself a computer expert, I know a lot of people who are. And because I've known them over time, seeing what they're interested in, what they take seriously, and kind of uh, they're, they're often at the cutting edge of kind of what's exciting, not just technically speaking, but also kind of socially speaking. Um, and that kind of brings me to, I saw a few of these folks kind of having references to Olympus. And so kind of that's, it's that arc, that journey that kind of led me to the edges of Olympus. That is a crazy journey. And I'm honestly going to have to go back and re-listen to all the interesting things you've mentioned. I've jotted down a few things, but like maybe we can kind of go into Olympus in a second, but like that kind of transition from, you know, being kind of Bitcoin adjacent and really getting into everything Bitcoin and then stumbling across Ethereum. Did you kind of, was it something that you um, got in ICO times and then essentially when everything shit itself in 2017, did you kind of take a break or were you still kind of full-time in crypto before you stumbled across everything Olympus related? And then we can get into first impressions, Olympus, present day thoughts, etc. The people who were teaching me kind of sysadmin and all of that end of the spectrum, they're kind of what you would call kind of Unix veterans. So very deeply technically competent, often veering towards like the older end of the spectrum, but not, not exclusively who, you know, through virtue of being experts in a domain area, kind of have uh, strong opinions about technical architectures and the kind of how a technology is um, not just built, but also coordinated and organized and managed and maintained and how new contributors are brought in. And so I'll admit that a bunch of the folks that I was in and around were really critical of Ethereum even before its launch. And for reasons of, I'd say, from a technical critique, they were like, I'm really not into it. I think the, the vision's too broad. And they just were not in kind of into it. So when I got involved in Ethereum ICO thing, I, I was a bit more at the like, I don't really know what all of you are talking about. Kind of sounds kind of okay to me and YOLO, why not? So I did get involved in the Ethereum ICO. And I should also mention that kind of the communities I've kind of come up within. So I was broadly speaking involved in cooperatives at the kind of directly democratic end of the spectrum. So kind of what I'd call analog versions of P2P where kind of you don't have any specific boss, it's kind of horizontally organized. Um, and I was involved in kind of f federations of co-ops. So that's like a co-op of co-ops. So kind of a bit similar to how you see some of the emergent ways of organizing in DAOs online now kind of, but in this analog old world business model, because co-ops have been around for as long as industrialization has been around as a, a, a counter way of organizing 
people to produce things. And so I, I bring this up because me being involved in this thing that was kind of speculative and to do kind of with finance was kind of uncool in my circuits. It's, it's not something, uh, more often than not when people would talk to me about it, when they hear I was involved, it would be with skepticism and kind of a critical caution. And so a bunch of the stuff that I've kind of done is both on the technical people that I was speaking with, they're a bit like critical of Ethereum, but then in my meat space life, also kind of critical. So it's always been this a bit of a, a not lonely puff, but like I've, it's been a bit like being a bit like a heretic. Like people can see that you're doing something interesting that you like, but then when they speak to you about it, they're a bit like, oh, I don't know about this. And so 2017, I just kind of yellowed in and out of various stuff. Um, and uh, compared to some other people, I didn't buy the top of the 2017 thing. What I did was maybe in its own way, like I appreciate people sharing things which they look back and was like, oh, wow, someone's exit liquidity. It kind of um, really warmed me to folks who share maybe what could be deemed as failures. But um, so when the 2017 peak hit, I kind of had this euphoria um, because having been involved around since 2013, even though I'd made loads of mistakes, lost loads of stuff, you kind of, it's a pretty easy circuit to kind of at least get a bit more of a bag again if you are like working for crypto for time and stuff like that. So the 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 bag that I'd managed to recover having lost this 10,000 ETH and 1,000 Bitcoin um, was pumping. And I was like, right, okay, I've just, I made it. And then I, I didn't make it. Now I'm going to make it again. And I was like, what do people who've made it do? I was like, I know I'll buy a house. So then the my neighbor's house was put up for sale. And I was like, oh, okay, let's, let's commit to getting that. And that commitment was made as like the two set, 2017 kind of like one of what we I thought was the peak um, but actually it was a left shoulder but then there was a crash and I panicked because I was like ah I've made all these commitments I've got to follow through so then like I think sold the bottom of the this kind of crash from the left shoulder Um, but it didn't actually it wasn't actually enough to cover all of like the taxes that I had accrued from chopping in and out of positions um, all of the tax that was coming down the line, stuff like property tax, all of this stuff, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm sure a lot of people resonate with the fact that we don't know what we're doing. And then, so kind of cashed out at the bottom of, of that thing, didn't quite have enough to cover all expenses, but that wouldn't unfold for like a year or two. And then saw the market like pump again. And I was like, ah, oh, I really not going to make it. This is, this is awful. It felt really bad. I was like, felt shame embarrassment like Mm. stupid but then also because of that the context of my technical friends i was like ah i don't want to talk like they kind of look down a bit on speculating on uh, inferior technology and then on my meat space things people were just like not into speculative finance so it's a bit like carrying this shame in a bundle just privately and quietly which um Mm -hmm. i don't know if others out there connect with that and then kind of like spent the next three years digging myself out from like a very complicated um, t- tax situation with the 
HMRC, the UK um, Tax and Revenue Service, which was a painful process, which involved like like court cases and a bit, bunch of other stuff. The TLDR is they wanted a really massive tax bill that I didn't have the liquidity for. So then I needed to sell this place that I'd kind of bought, but Brexit was starting to kick in and then the pandemic started to kick in. Like, And by the time those tax bills came in, so it was just like horrible. But on the other, I then also during that time had like um, a kind of Bitcoin bag. And I was a, a bit at that point, I was like, this shit that I've just gone through, I don't want to like... I'd like to even just for myself have an alternate way of managing private keys. So then I privately funded, I put um, a bunch of Bitcoin into, I think it's like 100 or 200 Bitcoin into a multi-sig and lobbied around with a kind of a crew of people to work on a data management mechanism using this cryptographic technique called Shamir's secret sharing, which allows you to split a secret um, into, for example, seven pieces, and then you need like M of N or N of M. Um, so for example, you'd need three of those pieces out of the seven to recover the entire secret. So privately funded this kind of solution in the context of a P2P data sharing network offline enabled. Um, so the idea behind that is you actually have this function in Facebook where it's a bit like tr called trusted contacts. And that's if you lose your password instead of having to, or some other aspect of your account, rather than having to go through Facebook, the org, you could contact your previously elected trusted contacts and they, they could in an offline way confirm that it's you and give you back access to your account. And so uh, we, we built out a thing which essentially is a bit like the Web2 model of forgotten password. It's just in Web3, there is no org central place which is managing our accounts we don't even have usernames and all of this other stuff but it's kind of that pattern um, which you know think about all of the times you've pressed that reset password button that's you know patterns like that are what make things accessible um, and so we essentially built a system that allows one to press reset password but instead of it being coordinated through an api connected to a centralized company, it would ping your mom, your cousin, your best friend, and someone else. And as long as three of them are around to confirm, they'd probably ring you and go, hey, DKD, did you actually request this? And they'd hear your voice and they'd be like, cool. Yeah. And then they click approve. As long as three of the seven people approve, then you'd recover your, recover your data. So built that through the 2017 thoughts. It's when I look back at it, in terms of, you know, when you hear me talking about any trading stuff on my Twitter, it should probably be a sync signal to do the opposite because I'm like not a trader by any means. So essentially spent all of the crypto, most of the crypto that I did have in various bags during the 2017, 18, 19 downturn, like spent it all building this other stuff. But don't regret it because it is cool tech that I think is going to be able to make some of the stuff we're working on more accessible from like a human layer of people fucking up, losing their passwords, losing their computer. And I think those are the the realities of what happens in the, the mess of life when it comes to people and belongings. We all lose shit all the time and um, figuring out patterns that allow us to do that still, but not lose 
10,000 ETH and 1,000 Bitcoin. We need patterns like that to make this stuff actually accessible in a practical way. 100%. Well, personal experience is a great catalyst for change, right? In terms of even implementing change, like things that happen to you personally, um, sometimes you, there's like that, um, you know, that desire to really make sure that doesn't happen for other people. And it's, it's like really how a lot of great things get built, right? Um, hopefully. And, Either yeah, that or it was like hopefully. a very expensive, uh, like, I, I just view it as like an investment in like a particular perspective. And I hope it's one that others share and find useful. And if not, then, you know, I've got this, the world's most expensive broken hard drive sat on my desk as like a, you know, a one-off piece. Maybe I should turn it into an NFT. Ooh, maybe that is a, that's something I'm looking out for. Well, wow, that, that was a awesome segue into everything Olympus. Maybe you can kind of give us your, you know, first impressions when you kind of saw some of the people, you know, adjacent to, to what you were doing, kind of talk about it and then maybe talk about like present day thoughts now and then we can get into everything DAO and what, what, what you're doing in and around the DAO. I'd love to hear more about what you're like up to on Comp and Agora side as well, but uh, maybe that's another another chat. So when I first saw Olympus, definitely a scam, 100% sure. And I was like, yeah, definitely a scam, was super sure. And the then I saw some of these people that I mentioned, s- serious tech people kind of who I know were involved in Bitcoin more or less from the beginning. I'm certainly one of them, like just deeply involved and having references to Olympus. I've, I've I think of like glibly tweeted one of Olympus's kind of most successful exports has been the bracket something comma something bracket notation. And I saw a few of these people with like, you know, uh, bracket three comma three bracket or some other mix and match. And I was like, well, that's a reference to this scam. And that I don't get because in this game, reputation is everything. When when you get really deep into kind of people building and contributing to tech, which is like embedded in servers around the planet. So when we're talking about Unix or operating systems or this type of thing, reputation is more valuable than any other you know, your skills are important and ultimately that's the bedrock. But then your reputation for in terms of when differences in perspective around implementation to do with core technologies which are embedded within the internet itself, reputation is just this really fundamental thing which people don't take. You know, people are jokers, meme, shit talk, have fun, and they're serious, like... When I saw folks who I had this like deep respect for on a lot of different levels, referencing what I was sure was a scam or a Ponzi, it kept me up at night. Like it got to the point where I was like, I'd wake up at one in the morning and I'd, I'd be like, why would you risk your the rep that you've built up over decades and decades to like do something funny in a meme space? and to be honest, that that dissonance, that cognitive dissonance is what, because I was I was like, by this point, 99% sure it was a scam and 1% it 
this cognitive dissonance just enough like a, a bit of dust in your eye and I was like okay well I'll just try and get this dust out of my eye because at least if I can understand then it, I'll be able to sleep and that kind of started me off on this obsessive journey of just like reading every tweet I could come by every medium article going through the discord looking at the code and I think it it took me about two months of doing that because I had other stuff to do, parenting, uh, gardening. There's been a bunch of like life stuff come up. So I kept coming back and it got to a certain point where something clicked and I was like, okay, it's not a scam. It's a really elegant system that kind of along some lines has properties of a scam-like system. So I've, I've mentioned kind of um, one of the ways I assess the like mainstream economy is basically a bit like a perpetual Ponzi machine in the sense that it's essentially like through the capacity for um, states to just print money to ensure that through taxation systems and having strong militaries and making the purchase of petroleum and stuff globally required to be bought by the dollar, that essentially that is, 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 you can see it as essentially a Ponzi scheme that we can't, it's a perpetual one that we can't get out from under. And Olympus as a system took a slightly purer version of this Ponzi-like system, the Fed Reserve when it was still on the gold standard, and modeled itself on that, but says, yes, an arm, it needs to be backed. I was like, it's kind of like the Ponzi, except it's a purer form and it's not a Ponzi because instead of having cantillionaires like people close to the money printers and all of these stakeholders where value flows from the base of the pyramid upwards, it's a system where actually it's encoded into the software and got pretty tight human coordination with the these multi-sigs and different the policy team and different departments in the DAO contributing to like how this thing works. It's just a bit more of an egalitarian system where instead of all of the value flowing to the few, it actually flows to all stakeholders in the system. And one of the reasons why I think I really empathize with why people like it's a scam or whatever is because, you know, our defense mechanisms for like trying to spot when we're getting raw, is just finely tuned because of the world that we lived in. And it took me a while to realize that it's just a subtle difference in Olympus that it's at into to my mind kind of one of the more elegant things I've actually seen in my life I certainly in the small amount of time over the last 10 10 12 years in tech it's it's something which kind of once it clicked a bit took my breath away and I've been I think once that click happened, then I was like, okay, I'm going to make an anon account. I'm going to just become part of the conversation to join in, to chat with folks and kind of, it's been a bit, I think that was around September 1st or so. And the two months before that I was in stealth mode because I'm still kind of a bit um, socially in, in that realm where it's still, you know, less so now people are i'm noticing more and more people that i've been speaking to this stuff um are coming around and being like okay what's the actual story here and yeah when i speak to them about olympus versus pretty much any other project it's clicks really quickly in a way that not many other projects have but yeah so i didn't i decided to go culturally anon 
into Olympus kind of for two reasons. One, that seemed to be the cultural pattern. So I just wanted to kind of follow suit. But then on the other, honestly speaking, when I was looking at it before, I was a bit like, I didn't want to look like a fool on main, getting sucked into a Ponzi when people are already kind of critical of, have been historically critical. And I was like, I just can't be bothered with the drama of that. So yeah, I became a mushroom. And the rest is history. Good reason. Uh, the mycelium rooted under the the Love ground, it. keeping keep, keeping keeping the DeFi ecosystem afloat over time, right? Yeah, I like it's crazy to just to to hear that kind of trajectory, right? Like you going from being someone who is like you know, keenly studying things, you know, an observer to you know essentially now leading the. OGP, which we'll talk about uh, in a second. But how do you go from this someone who, you know, essentially just spawns up an identity, you know, uh, starts to understand things, observes, and then how? What's that? What's that kind of uh, leap like into um, contributing for 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 those who are like, I think maybe do have skills here and there, but just just don't have that kind of um, maybe don't have the the affirmation that they need, or maybe there's something to do with just like the making making paths a bit clearer it could be a multitude of things but just wondering what your kind of uh, i guess uh, thoughts on that specifically look like so i love the the mushroom as a as a kind of um entity to think with around around this stuff so what we see is the fruiting body it will like often pop up overnight and then underneath that there'll be kind of a vast network of my, mycelial threads and I kind of think that analogy a bit holds with us as well. Like when we turn up as a mushroom or some people turn up as a frog or some other kind of icon, some people use their kind of um, passport name and face. But kind of underneath when you show up to these spaces, you've got this kind of vast network of life experience, connections, things you're good at and that type of thing. So when I showed up as a mushroom, I just started talking with anyone who would talk with me on Twitter. Mainly that's my kind of serotonin drug of choice, a Silicon Valley brand of serotonin popper. It's like part of my nervous system now is before I take my sh shot of matcha in the morning, I'm like, okay, dose me up with at least like four flicks of Twitter, Twitter scroll. And yeah, I would talk to anyone who would talk to me because and I'll do the same now as well. I'll basically, I don't look at follow account or people number of, I'll literally talk to anyone who talks to me. I will talk to them because most of us are mushrooms. You actually don't know who's on, on the other side, what they've done. Like you really don't know what they bring to the picture. So that's kind of uh, the first thing I'd say is um, uh, an openness to chatting with folks and seeing where they're at. And depending on like how what what you're bringing to the table in terms of your interests your experience your perspective your questions your theories on uh, how things should work on that as that becomes clarified over time i think like find like so i think what ended up happening was um, because of my background in cooperatives and this type of thing, I started looking at Olympus in a particular way. And then I noticed that I hadn't seen many people talking about it in, in that way. So in and around themes of universal basic income and kind of contributing what is your unique perspective based on everything that we've mentioned is I, I think a valuable, because we're all trying to figure this thing out as we go. It's so new that having this 
pool of at times at odds perspectives will kind of help to bring into focus what this thing is. And it doesn't have to be one thing to all people. Like it can have different zones of focus um, depending on who's kind of sharing a lens on, on these things. And I think because I come from a background of, of the last 10, 12 years of just co contributing online to things and being part of conversations, I'm used to the practice of showing up and doing things rather than showing up and asking people what needs doing. Because I think oftentimes um, most folks are um, busy doing things and they're kind of focused on their lane and what they're trying to do that the when you show up and if you're asking someone to try and figure out what's something that you can do it's more often than not sometimes there'll be like a kind of a very clearly defined well-scoped thing where it's like actually very specifically at this moment the dishes are completely clogging the sink and it kind of needs cleaning up would you mind but in in the space that we're sharing it's a bit more kind of ephemeral coordination like there needs to be a bit more context. I'd say I'm very, I was very used to kind of showing up and having a scan and seeing kind of how things flow, how things are organized, and then seeing if I notice any gaps and then just chipping in bit by bit. And I think the OGP, I, th I think it was already, you know, I showed up and helped to write the improvement proposal, the OIP. But I think it was already in people's minds as a thing that they wanted to see. Um, it's just that maybe everyone already had their hands full. So when there was someone turning up talking about grants, universal basic income, who found interest in Taiki, um, a number of people like, hey, actually, that's that's a good idea. Do you want to help make it happen? That's the bit, the background for how I ended up jumping into it. So the TLDR on that, I think, is... Everyone showing up into this space, if you've showed up, you might feel imposter syndrome, but the very fact that you're looking at this thing means you're super early and whatever it is that brought you to this space is unique and valuable. And there'll be something there that you contribute if you can contribute, if you want. The next is make it easy for people to know what you're about. So come out of stealth mode, maybe contribute to conversations, find people who are having the type of conversations that light you up, that you would like to see more of and just make it easy for people to see a bit what you're about and like take a leap of faith and go to communicate kind of what you think you would like to see more of because in all likelihood if you're having those thoughts there's some chance that other people will be as well and what you might find is that there is already some thinking in a channel or a dm or somewhere where you'll get rooted by other omis to go hey you should talk to these people and be open to talking to mushrooms with, without like that backstory. I'd say like that's certainly been my journey and I've noticed it a bit with others in the sense that there isn't Olympus so far as I've seen. It's not a hierarchical org where there's a clearly defined process with roles in terms of like a gradient of from order to entropy, from like chaos to an ordered way of doing stuff. There's a certain order and emergent order in how things are shipped, but the processes in and around maybe veer more towards entropy. So more mm. might look a bit chaotic and a bit like a bubbling potion 
And so I'd say, don't wait for a clearly defined onboarding moment. Get into the mix, get into the bubbles, throw in some soap, talk with people, let people know what you're about. And then I think you'll find yourself start slipping into emergent processes that are actually kind of orderly in a certain sense, but you kind of need to be there to allow yourself to kind of fall into focus. Yeah, I don't know if that's been at all your experience, DKD, or like whether that vibes with you, your kind of early onboarding thing or whether it was different earlier on than it is now, because I imagine it, it must be to some mm-hmm. degree. Yeah, well, I think I think early on it was simply people who, you know, found a gap and filled it in terms of like needs that needed to be done in and around the DAO. And I think there was very little confirmation in what to do and there was even at times very little affirmation in even if it was good or not (laughs) so you'd have a lot of people kind of jumping in around on different you know topics or departments proposing changes that were ultimately amazing but it would take almost like two or three bumps in order to get that be something that oh yes let's pursue that and that that's not for everyone right you know kind of presenting an idea and crickets for for days right or, or maybe like a couple, like, you know, to, to the point where, you know, if you're in a normal work, work environment, you kind of shoot out an idea and you get a, you get that like double kind of feedback from, from people in a physical place. Plus, plus you get that kind of emotional kind of feedback and feel good. So I think it's like doing that in a completely online environment is tricky. And I think that you touch on it. Like, I think it's like very there's a there's very much an order to the chaos and it gets to a point i think we've gotten to a point as a DAO where we're hitting kind of 150 200 contributors and the infrastructure that exists is just tricky to kind of execute with this kind of internalized chaos yet actually having that that order um to execute and i think it'll very much become a a kind of thing whether the DAO can implement kind of these choose your own adventure games in terms of onboarding so sort of kind of creating more optionality for new people and clearly defining things prior and giving people specific information for specific tasks whether that's through like this very well thought out bounty board that acts as a um, onboarding tool and then how does how's onboard uh, offboarding defined you know there's like a lot of things that i think are up in the air so i think it'd be really interesting to see how the DAO itself kind of comes up with a solution, but I kind of see it being more department to department based. I don't know if you feel similarly. I mean, so there's a pair of South American, I don't know if they were like political theorists or like political science or even biology, but they're called um, Maturana and Verilla and they looked at autopoietic systems, probably totally butchering it, but I introduced kind of why I think about this stuff which might make any mistakes I've made in interpreting what it is they study forgivable. But so far as I understand their research, they'd be looking into how complex cellular organisms kind of organize without any seeming hierarchy. And the reason I bring this up is twofold. One is a lot of their research has then gone into use in kind of machine learning and cybernetic systems. But then too, I read a, I was reading a book by a, a feminist scholar from the Caribbean called Sylvia Winter and was talking a bit about the breakthroughs that um, Varela and uh, Maturana had in their research. So I'll start there. 
essentially there was a lot of and i'm not sure what the struggles were to do with like probably not too dissimilar from nowadays but there was a lot of student strikes i think against the university administration they were talking about when there was the breakdown of these hierarchical ways ways of doing things like these really strictly defined roles of student teacher or like um blah when all of the kind of social context that they were thinking within was kind of a bit mixed up and a larger degree of entropy introduced. They talk about a bunch of the breakthroughs that they had with the theorization of um, some of the mechanisms for how these cells organize within what they ended up calling autopoiesis came from basically student sit-in strikes where the teachers were also in with the students. And they're saying like talking through the night in this more kind of open discursive way where there wasn't this boundary between who's a teacher, who's a learner, who's a start, blah. It was just like this. They they attribute the um, breakthroughs that they had in some of the blockages with some of their experiments and ways of thinking as coming from this kind of full of entropy, emergent kind of slight chaos. And kind of remember that story a bit because a bunch of um, those mechanisms, you know, now in terms of machine learning are so prevalent behind the scenes embedded into some of our experiences online in ways that are invisible to us that we'll never notice, like in some way are indelibly linked or can be with like spaces that break down some of the status quo ways for doing things. Um, so bring bring this up for twofold. One is, you know, I don't think a bit of entropy and chaos is a bad thing. And I don't even necessarily see it as, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, unproductive. Because um, I think a lot of this stuff, the way that we, when we're trying to make new things, it's not going to necessarily unfold in a linear way. The other reason I bring it up is that in, in this research, so autopoietic systems, like how do different zones or departments to use like a human formation coordinate in a way towards some desirable ends kind of makes sense. So this thing that you talk about with like it being about departments um, and maybe having a smaller amount of context, um, a bit more of a boundary and some mechanisms for communicating between different zones would certainly be a way of doing things that we see mirrored in natural systems. And I think from my experience of working in federated co-ops and co-ops um um more tightly that's kind of uh doing things in a federated way but then having mechanisms that allow different zones to have shared mental models as us would put it is probably the direction that we'd want to be heading in from my own personal opinion and i've kind of a bit seen at least i arrive much later than you it already kind of a bit feels like that's where things are tending towards a little bit with Odyssey, maybe with Agora, with, I don't know how we'll set the grants up, whether it's certainly going to be within the Olympus main server, but we'll have to see how stuff goes after the MVP, whether it makes sense to have its own zone um, in terms of like what's of benefit to all the key stakeholders involved in these systems and what makes sense. I know that was a long answer. I basically agree with you from like a lot of different threads of my own journey. Well, I think we're all also like going to be like, as you've kind of mentioned in this, what was it called? The auto. Autopoietic. So it's like A-U-T-O-P-O-I-E. 
T-I-C, if you're going to Google it. Um, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. No, I'm definitely going to find that, have a read and reference that in the podcast for anyone else who's interested. But yeah, I, it seems like we're trending towards that kind of self, you know, also it's like we're a self-healing system in general, like from an economic sense. But I think from a productivity standpoint, I think we're very much like moving towards that. Like, well, the solution is, you know, found through this kind of dance between uh, organization and entropy. So I could talk about governance for hours, but I, I also want to talk about more specifically what you're doing in the round and down. We, we mentioned OGP, so that's the Olympus Grants Program OMIs. I'm on the committee, which I'm super excited about, but I want to hear more about going into that a bit more and then also what other things in the round and down you're up to. Yeah, so grants programs, I think they're pretty commonplace now. And I certainly, I don't think... I think it was an, an innovation that Ethereum introduced in the sense that it's not an innovation in the sense grants programs are pretty, they proliferate widely and something that the legacy world, there's there's a lot of. I seem to remember um, post ICO launch, it was one of the alpha drops like back in the day, they were like, we're going to launch a, a grants program. And since there's been like an increasing number of them and broadly speaking i'd say like initially the when the ethereum foundation had their grants program it was a bit more centralized in the sense that you had a core team of people deliberating on an inflow of grants programs and they'd have maybe a ring a concentric ring of advisors from in from various aspects of the sector on a rotating basis to to inform them then so that would have been yeah not long after that so sometime a year or two after that, you would have had the emergence of Gitcoin, who take the centralized model and say, well, what would happen if we actually kind of organize this on a kind of a more along the lines of the de decentralized nature of the space itself and allow the ecosystem to signal support and kind of what Gitcoin have iterated around is maybe having a portfolio of approaches. So you can have, for example, centralized curation so maybe there's some mechanism where one of the orgs can curate which projects make it onto a list that then in a decentralized way, any ETH holder or any Ethereum kind of universe um, tokens can send in back projects. And then they've got stuff like quadratic voting or matching. You'd have some pool of funds that would match incoming funds. And then now I think like some of the more like modern implementations of this stuff are a mix and match of these different methods. So maybe, for example, a more centralized committee that might oversee larger grants for like bigger deliverables where there needs to be accountability, not just in terms of the those delivering on, on the thing, but then also on the organization side, so the committee side, so we can know and have an accountability for kind of who's signing off on this, who's doing due diligence, who's doing, who's making sure that milestones are being hit and that stuff is on track. So, and then stuff more towards kind of the centralized curated, but decentralized in terms of um, funding flows all the way through to just pure open decentralized free for all. And so. Um, that's kind of the state of the union, the kind of um, literature review of kind of a bit what's around at the moment. In the first instance, the underlying primitive behind give is Taiki. We've now got the plumbing to allow for 
the armies to basically signal what they're they're interested in. And, you know, this is pretty groundbreaking. Like, on surface of it, it looks maybe more of like the same, but it's actually groundbreaking. We've still got to the gas cost of approving the contract and setting that up. But then once, once that's set up, you've got the capacity for redirecting yield in a gasless way. So at the moment, for people to signal support uh, via Gitcoin, they're going to have to send principal and gas fees for all of these different things. Within Olympus, and with it, with it being a rebase system, you've got the potential for something like, you know, more similar to the experience of what it used to be like on Ethereum when we'd be like, hey, can you test my address and just send me some dust to make sure we've, like, we can't do that anymore because gas fees are super high. You can do it on layer twos or whatever with Polygon. But I think one of the innovations that um, Olympus is bringing in is it's, it's more reminiscent of the past where um, because if you're doing things within the rebasing zone, it allows you to redirect yield in a way that's gas minimized, which we'll have to see how this actually plays out, M- might mean kind of more, even more kind of participation in selection of projects. Um, so Olympus, in its first um, iteration, I think it will, the end destination, as with most stuff happening in Olympus, is kind of getting it as close and as far along the decentralized vision as possible. Um, And the starting point, I use this analogy in the forum discussion before the snapshot, is um, someone, username begins with B, was like into grants, but more into decentralization. And I'm worried about introducing a pattern that's centralized. And I agree with the person who wrote that, but I think in terms of the pragmatics and practicalities of rolling out a new system, it starts out initially a bit more manually, initially a bit more centralized, just so that you kind of set up the patterns, stand stuff up, make sure it makes sense. Once you've figured out kind of how to stabilize the system, that testing your assumptions, making sure that it works out in the way that you think it will, and if not, allows you to iterate. Um, one of the green flags for Olympus that kind of it's yet one of the million of green flags that I've found around Olympus was, for example, in March, Zeus released the medium essentially saying we'll be setting up with these multi-sig wallets and be implementing um, community decisions via snapshot. But the, the vision is that we're going to be having all of this stuff be managed on chain. Uh, via the governance um, token, which also happens to be the token you're all holding. And the fact that what Geome is released, what, last week, the turnaround between March and shipping it December, you don't, that's really rare. It's like for a project to say, hey, this is the plan, and then to execute on it and deliver it. There are projects that are like, their market cap is astronomical. And pretty much all they've been doing since they like launched is making promises and saying, we will do this. Most projects to a certain degree, they announce, here's the plan, here's what we're going to do. And then maybe take a long time to actually execute on that. One of the things that really drew me into Olympus is this culture of almost no shilling in a sense. It's like, fine, in this case, they said, okay, this is the plan, but they've delivered on it in six months. More often than not, it's a ship the thing and then talk about it afterwards. It's a like build in the backgrounds in stealth mode, ship the thing, and then afterwards go, okay, here's the thing, it's in the world now. 
And it's, it's kind of a remarkable thing. And Grant's is going to follow that. It's, it's born of the same culture and it will follow that same pattern that we're seeing time and time again in Olympus of it's going to initially look a bit more manual, a bit more like something that you've seen before, but we've got all of the execution expertise, vision, team to kind of do some really interesting, new, innovative and novel things in and around the, the grant space that will be just yet another superpower that OMIs can deploy um, and utilize through virtue of being participating in Olympus. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear like, yeah, your thoughts on, because I know this isn't something I'm giving my personal opinion on this and I'm sure you have your mm -hmm. own and each committee member does. I, I just want to add the caveat mm -hmm. that kind of none of this is yet set in stone because we didn't want to assume the community would back a grants program necessarily, but I think we're about five mm -hmm. or six hours away from the end of the vote and it's got 98% support. I think it's okay for us to talk Assume in this way. Things are going However, well. yeah, yeah, just sure. add the caveat that we, we haven't, none of this has got a, like a roadmap and we've got, not got it clearly defined, but yeah, I'd be interested in your thoughts, um, DKD on, on that. Yeah. Well, I think, so there are some good, so, so Bobby Dub, I think is the person you're referencing before they bring Thank up you. some really good points you know, uh, about how, like, the issue is more so the, the centralised versus the uh, decentralised kind of um, green lighting certain things. And I completely agree with their take, but I also, I'm also thinking about your take. And it's, I think it's really important. The whole purpose of the committee, right, is to put that reputation on the line in saying that, look, we don't want to go about things in this, like, kind of centralised kind of pick, like, uh, picking sense. But I think to... To, to begin anything and to be successful in anything, you need this quasi, you know, kind of decentralized setup, which kind of moves towards that completely autonomous decentralized setup. And that that's like really, I mean, I think DAOs in general, like, a, you know, the grants of program aside, I think DAOs in general are not fulfilling the autonomous part of the, the acronym DAO, right? And, and we're, we're kind of moving towards that. And I think, I think in terms of processes and, you know, the way that governs, governance is done um, within certain decisions in protocols, I think, you know, the reason for the committee is to kind of essentially be like, well, these people have been in around the DAO for a long time. They kind of have the, the DAO's best interests first. So we, there's going to be like a, a, a certain section within the program that probably needs like more eyes than, than kind of having the community vote for things specifically. So I, I think I kind of see it having different sections um, and kind of or different tiers, so to speak, uh, and, and essentially having a different how, how each different tier has an approach, but everything goes through the same kind of routing, if that makes sense. And then over time, you would need less committee um, oversight because you could kind of develop like an autonomous system that routes things depending on you know, X, Y, Z criteria. So that's the kind of way I see it is you need you know, a, a kind of team to kind of execute things and set things up to become decentralized because I think things are not magically decentralized unless it's hard coded into some system. Yeah, I think a bit of alpha. So we have had some some chat. So we're going to be skipping straight to the hybrid model of having the larger investments being more tightly integrated with the committee, just making sure that there's the accountability for 
projects which have a bit of a bigger budget just to make sure everything's delivered upon and stuff is kind of working in the best interests of like Olympus and the expanding the utility of Ohm and um, Ohm holders. But then there's going to be a class of projects that are incoming through the grants pipeline once we open it up, where probably the committee will back the projects in a baseline way, but then we'll post those projects up onto a section of the the Give platform. So then OMEs can further kind of signal support for the projects which they'd really like to see prioritized and build upon kind of natively within the, the Give platform. So there'll be some mechanism where projects are applying to do something which is of utility to Olympus the committee will back it to make sure it's like minimally funded to execute on whatever the foundational things are. And then if a project has stretch goals for, okay, if we had X, Y, Z, then we'd be able to further implement blah, kind of similar to how a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter has different tiers for, if we have this stretch goal, then this. And so a kind of moving straight away, utilizing the Taiki primitive in, in the give interface, so we're already kind of, as we launch, um, going to be moving towards that um, that hybrid model. And as you say, DKD, like the, the vision is ultimately it would be nice if um, we were able to essentially minimize centralized committee management once stuff has been set up and we're all more used to geome and we figure out what the potentials are there. But yeah, off the bat, the alpha, alpha leak is I think there's... Um, agreement within the committee that we're going to just straight away be launching it into a hybrid model. So it's something OMEs off the bat will be able to signal support for and participation. We'll be able to track analytics for like how many OMEs within the 80,000 holders actively uh, wanting to participate in sponsoring development in, this, in the Olympus ecosystem. And just to mention, like, this is a really talented passionate people involved in this ecosystem. And I think it would be, it's it's just worth mentioning that the more that our systems that we build can leverage the expertise and insight of all the armies who are kind of dedicated in a particular zone, the, the better for all of us. So I think the when I see people making contributions of move towards decentralization, as just for me personally, I'm like 100% yes, agree. I think the emergent intelligence of systems which can talents of all stakeholders and participants, they're going to win in this in mm. this whole space. Um, 100%. I, I don't think there'll be many that would disagree in the DAO with that kind of sentiment. Mm. Uh, but it's also one of those things people forget you need because this, you know, this hasn't really been done before, so you do need some kind of historical data to base some of these you know, developments on right they, they, they don't come from nothing and they they, not, they kind of need to be bootstrapped in this very specific scenario to with the end goal of moving away from that like initial setup that's the way i kind of see it anyway i'm sure everyone has like a slight yeah you know, their, their, their views may may differ slightly but maybe we can like talk about you know how do you kind of look to em- empathize with like different views or ideologies when like constructing a proposal because I know myself like when writing it's really important to like maintain that 
level of neutrality. Otherwise, you you have to try your best to essentially present something in a voice um, that is as centrist as as possible. So I guess how do you kind of see Olympus moving beyond where it is now in terms of you know um, having these these kind of discourses on different you know, proposals, but then also like what do you think it takes from us to kind of leap from this protocol into an actual economy? Do you know what I mean? Like how do we move into like, because that's, that's where, where things are heading down that kind of direction. So I'm curious to see if you've, if you've had a kind of think about that, like next step up as a, as a, as a larger system. I don't agree with the centrist thing necessarily, but I see what you're saying. My take on it is, you know, my views and my personal background, broadly speaking, I'd get painted into the zone of left if, if we were to kind of put these barbarous like sim- simplifications onto them. And I think it's actually personally totally valid and fine for people to essentially say, this is where I'm coming from, because I don't really believe it's possible to be neutral like we've all come from a particular life experience and expertise which will introduce certain biases and um, perspectives which are kind of indelibly inked into both our conscious and subconscious what i think is important is to acknowledge that that is the case for every human and not all humans will have the same life experiences views and this type of thing and so when i'm writing proposals i kind of a bit don't think about it i just make sure that what i'm writing is taking into account as many perspectives that i'm aware of as possible and when something happens where people like hey this hasn't taken into account my perspective prioritizing hearing that new perspective to a point where i'm able to communicate back to that person this is what i've heard you say this is this is your perspective from what I've heard. Is that right? And just keep going through that process of checking that I've understood the other person to the point where they're, they're like, yes, that sums up what I think. It doesn't mean I have to agree with them, but the process of identifying someone else's perspective to a point where they are heard by you and they say, yes, you've heard me, is kind of, yeah, I don't really, beyond... Beyond that, I don't know what else we can do as humans because we're never all going to agree. And that's also fine. Having a multitude of perspectives and trying to find the, the commonality, the union, the intersection um, is going to be of benefit to a system like Olympus. And then the ultimate mm. vision for how we win in broader economies, I think, like I shared, ultimately, I think we, we sink into the invisible realm and you start seeing Olympus in terms of powered by Olympus and nothing more. You don't really see anything more under the hood. And then practically speaking, how you get there, I think it's more just a case of, I don't know, more of the same. We seem to be tracking mm. in that direction. Mm. Yeah, I think we've already touched on like everything that kind of answers that that last question you posed, right? Um, but I, I, just, I think the, the way it'll you know unfold i think none of us will will be able to predict in like in which way it'll be successful or not so but along for the ride and yeah here until it goes to zero essentially so maybe we can talk about uh maybe something a little bit off topic 
does the kind of Zeus is Grimes kind of thesis still hold? Are, is there any kind of like conspiracy theories or are, are, well, they're not conspiracies sometimes, maybe just theories in general that are perceived as conspiracies um, that are you that you're like certain of that are kind of actual truths, for example? Ah, I love conspiracy theories. So basically, I mentioned I dropped out of uni when I was like earlier in life. And part of that was like my mental health just kicking my ass and ended up having to drop out. And there was a bunch of other stuff, which is probably a bit too off topic for even now. But one of the outcomes was that I felt really like out of sync with what I perceived to be kind of everyday life and what people are up to and kind of in that state of a bit of dissonance and kind of a bit out of focus or not on the same wavelength i got really into a whole bunch of conspiracy theories like there was this one called cutting through the matrix there was an alex jones back in the day but he was like still a shouty but a bit less like i don't know a bit less alex jones the 9-11 stuff new world or all of this like it I found that in the headspace that I was in, there was something that resonated with me. And I think it was when I look back and reflect on it, and that this was also like climate, climate change is a conspiracy and, and all, all of this, like a bunch of stuff online. And for some reason in the kind of a bit like, I don't know if this tracks for others, but it's just my story. So I'm, I'm not making any kind of projections onto other people's experiences but I know for me I found that there was a certain it was a bit like the vibe in those zones kind of suited the vibe that I felt in that moment which was a bit like jaded and like out of sync I'll call it and you know I was in that headspace for like quite some quite some years and the, th the thing that I really love about being in that headspace and kind of that kind of disposition is like trying of your own accord to drill down into things and build up from first principle and to, and I'm not saying everyone into online theories does this necessarily. It's just my experience of it. I really love the, like the, the mental model of being critical of things like is this true is is that right like does that does that track like what's the reasoning behind that and i found that i bring a lot of that kind of critical thinking tools with me and that's been incredibly useful in crypto as well because a lot of as i mentioned a lot of the spaces that i orbit in it's it's not socially re rewarded to be involved in this stuff in fact there's a lot of friction around it for me, though, with a lot of the conspiracy theories, I still think like 9-11's inside job by US government, whatever. But the thing that I've moved away from is needing there to be a like coherent, orchestrated, organizational thing happening in the background. And I think it's just highly improbable that you've got a set of the planet or whatever who can like coordinate so well that they can orchestrate a like massive ulterior plan like that's a bit of a like pragmatist point of view but then on the on the flip side i also don't kind of don't think it matters for most of us if there are these like mega big conspiracies happening in the big round because in our day-to-day -day lives like we can't necessarily affect change on that level 
And I think sometimes, and this is at least how I kind of moved out of that resonance or that way of thinking, was I noticed that the critique I had of, you know, what in that realm is called sheeple or whatever, like people who just kind of follow the crowd. One of the critiques I, I noticed is, is like, oh, there's a lot of, it's almost like by flipping from a dominant way of thinking through to the, um, the like, the counteractive way of thinking, it's kind of like you're moving from one wavelength to another wavelength. And you're kind of, it's a bit of a type of nest, kind of a group think. And so the, that kind of meta level critique of like, want to just jump from one way of thinking into another way of thinking. I, I kind of want to be a bit more fluid with like how I take in information and just make up my own mind. And so, yeah, I noticed that when I spent too much time obsessing over and thinking about conspiracies and all of this other stuff, it kind of inhibited my own capacity for action in my day-to-day life in a coordinated kind of coherent fashion. Mm. Ultimately, it was just that recognition where I was a bit like, it kind of doesn't matter and it's stopping me from doing the stuff that I want to do. So that was a bit how I frame, but I really, I love it as an avenue. I know it's a thing that some people go through, especially in our online age where people spend a lot of time online reading into stuff and that type of thing. And I, I think it's like a bit of a superpower in terms of the, it has a lot of potential for being a thing where people can like learn ways of looking at things critically and figuring out their own mind. Yeah. And the risk is mm-hmm. that you end up just like copying other people and it can stop you from doing your own thing. So I think that's like one of the pitfalls. I don't know if that's what you meant when you brought conspiracy theories. It's some, I think about it a lot. Open-ended, like, I mean, because I, I saw the Twitter, uh, I saw the tweet how the, the kind of Grimes is, is Zeus' thesis, and I found it very funny. And you make such a good point about, you know, regardless of what you're doing, it does, it's like a very open-ended way to for people to figure out how to critically think in context that you're normally not taught how to cri- critically think. Um, where it's like, uh, I guess it's kind of branded as a conspiracy. So you're trying to essentially analyze it and debunk it. So you look at it from all different angles. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's a really interesting take on it. And that's kind of what I wanted, the reason why I brought it up and also just whether the Grimes equals all right. uh, Zeus Here's the thing, thing right. is actually the case. Let's, let's weigh <laughs> up. Have you ever heard Zeus and Grimes speak at the exact same moment no no okay so grimes is currently how old she'd be late 20s wouldn't she yeah 33 33 oh she older there you go right so <laughs> we have a 33 person cosplaying as a younger person wearing a, a back i'm i'm a bit being um facetious here the, the main reason is um a friend who i was onboarding and this is kind of one of the things I do. I've, I've onboarded about like more than a hundred people into OM, none of them crypto native people. In 2017, I onboarded about 50 friends and family into crypto. And I essentially paid people to learn how to use a, a password manager. I said, if you come to a workshop where I teach you how to use a password manager, I will give you some Bitcoin. And so 50 people came along and they learned how to use a password manager. I set them up with a Bitcoin address I've got like a track record for onboarding people. And so when it came to Olympus, there was like, by that point I'd had about 
a list of 200 people who I onboarded into crypto at some point in the past. And I was like, okay, I've come out of stealth mode now. There's this system that I'm sorry to ask you to do something with Ethereum given the gas fees, but there's this is pretty much worth your time. And when I was onboarding one of those friends, they were a bit like, well, how is this different from Grimes's thing? And I was like, what's Grimes's thing? And then she sent me a, a snapshot of a media response. So Grimes at the time had been stalked by some uh, paparazzi and was reading a copy of Mark's Capital, I think. And in the response, I think it might have been on Instagram. I don't use Instagram, so I wouldn't have seen that. But yeah, my friend sent me this thing of basically, it was a comment by Grimes just essentially saying, no, I'm not a communist. I do like some of the ideas in Marx. I think they're kind of okay. But to be honest with you, I think the future is probably going to be more like something like a UBI with game-like qualities. And so when my friend was like, how is Olympus different to this decentralized UBI with game-like qualities? I was like, it is not. And then I was like, aha, Grimes is Zeus. Um, and then it kind of went from there. So Wait, lo logical step. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's yeah. a, I would 100% be in the same boat. Yeah. So <laughs> I meant it as like, I don't know, just joking around. And I think I'd made two or three of these posts. And then I think the Sunday after the last post I made, then Grimes did her 3-3 post. And then, you know, from that point onwards, whenever I'm talking to or about Zeus, I just say Grimes. Mm, yeah. I, that, I, know, I, know it's, I know it's a fun little joke, but I thought I'd bring that up because I thought that was a funny funny topic to touch on look we could talk for another two hours but i know that we've got to wrap this up for the omis and ourselves how would we why don't we phrase olympus in one sentence for for someone listening to this to send to someone else and we can just tell them to skip to this last minute so we can consolidate everything we've talked about in the last hour and a half <laughs> and how would we sum that all up for someone in in a a little little synopsis of what Olympus is and, and where the, the story of Olympus is going, I guess. By getting involved in Olympus, you are securing a slice of the future pie and it's fun. That's how I'd frame it. That's it. That's perfect. That's all we needed to touch on. Wallamai, that was awesome. I really appreciate your time. We're going to get you on more Twitter spaces for the Asia Twitter spaces because the Omis, Omis need these long-form conversations that aren't just in podcast form. Where can we catch you on Twitter? I know where I can catch you on Twitter, but let everyone else know. Well, let me pine on Twitter. I'm fairly active there. Up for chatting to anyone. Feel free to reach out. Yeah, awesome. That is Monday, the 6th of December. That's the interview of the week for this week, Omis. And we've got another blockbuster week ahead, which will provide the scope for soon um but until then catch you in the next one thanks homies